You've found Hungry for Apples podcast, a listening space for the energy aware human with your host, Farron. Visit Farron's website at faern.me. You can also find us on social media, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. Mystic Farron, so it's mystic underscore Farron, and Hungry for Apples podcast. Thanks for listening. Grab an apple and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Thank you for choosing Hungry for Apples podcast. Happy 2023, everyone. How's the beginning of the year working for you? It's a little bit wet out there. As most of you know, I'm coming in from California. I'm in San Francisco and we've seen so much rain. It's unbelievable. There was one day where our street was completely flooded, but you know, there's some hills involved. So that was why that was happening. But this is nothing compared to what the other side of the city has been dealing with. I'm not sure what's going on exactly today when I record this, you know, but it's raining pretty steadily right now. So I assume that Folsom Street and all that area is still having problems. If you remember me having an art studio, you know that I used to have an art studio over there. So that part of the city kind of always has problems with this is unbelievable. And um, if you are here in San Francisco and you're having a serious problem, I'm sorry to hear that. I can't imagine what you're dealing with. It's so, I mean, wet and gross. Um, I hope everything's coming together for you. This episode is episode three in my yogic approach series. And last time we met, I said I was going to speak on the yamas this time, but I realized that that I need to put it in a different order. So we are moving on to something else and the yamas will be next week or the next episode in this series because it makes more sense to me. So today we're going over what's called the kleshas. And in the next edition, we'll be moving on to the yamas. To start off this episode, I am going to read a little bit from the Jiva Mukti Yoga book. And I just find this story very interesting and it is very concise. So I felt like this was a very good place to start. Since I'm working with the Yoga Sutras right now, that's where the last episode's topics have come from and the next few are coming from. And it is a source of inspiration for millions and millions of yogis over centuries. I wanted to explain or share this because it is about that. So if you do have this book, I'm reading from page 23 and it's in their section called Roots of Yoga. According to legend, Vishnu, who is concerned with preservation, noticed that people on earth were becoming too caught up in mundane things 
and we're losing their ability to connect with the ecstatic. Vishnu is always concerned when people are unhappy. So he came, with, came up with an idea while resting on his couch, which happened to be the serpent Adishesha. Vishnu suggested that Adishesha incarnate as a sage and codify the method for attaining samadhi into a concise formula that people could use. The legend says that Patanjali is that sage, so Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. He codified the keys to happiness in the form of the Yoga Sutras, which were useful thousands of years ago and are being rediscovered in our present time. As modern yogis, it's exciting to realize that we have access to the Yoga Sutras. But the Yoga Sutras will not tell you in words the meaning of life. All mystical writing is like musical notation. If you read the music and play it, you will experience the music. You have to play the notation to hear the music. In the same way, Patanjali doesn't describe samadhi. He gives you instructions. If they are followed, you will have an experience that could never be described in words. So I enjoy the way that all of this information comes forward. It comes forward with a lot of mythology involved. And this is something that I feel is, is somehow missed by a lot of people. I think that there's this draw to, to kind of understand things in a very logical way, which I understand because, you know, that's what we're kind of taught to do. But when it comes to our body and our energy and the way that we interact in the world, sure, there's some logic involved. But if we look at all of the writings, like they said in the book that I just read from, the mystical writings with too much logic, we miss a lot of the nuance and the possibility of a greater understanding that is just written on the page. I mean, granted, the way that I'm going to present this information is extremely simple. And in fact, I really need you to keep that in mind. I'm not trying to water anything down. What I'm doing is giving an extremely short, like pre-level one idea of what all of these concepts are. And I'm putting it in an order that makes sense to me. And I'm not making up the order either. It's just that I might slightly deviate because if you know um, if you know about energy in the body, there are certain things that make sense to know prior to other things. And when it comes to yoga, there's sometimes actually it's probably all philosophy where things aren't necessarily given in an order, although when it comes to the yamas and the niyamas, which we're going to go over next week, those things are very much in an order. But when you learn about them may not come in a logical order. That's what I'm getting at. So the information that I'm going to give is, is very much incomplete. And in order to kind of round that off, what I'm doing is I'm creating a blog on my website. If you don't know about my website, it's my name, Farron, 
F-A-E-R-N dot me. And if you check it out in the next couple weeks, you'll see some some blog posts there that are that will have more information around to support the episodes. That's all I'm trying to say. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about yoga and how it's described and how it works, right? So if we're looking at how to work with the body and we're looking at it in a very psychological, but old psychological way, they break things down in this kind of formulaic method. And these methods are pretty much ingenious as long as you don't apply too much logic to the words that are used to describe them. Because the translations from Sanskrit to English, although I have some very good copies and I'm very meticulous about the things that I choose, but you know, sometimes there's commentary and there are words that are chosen that are very much based on the society or the culture of the person that chose to do, to do that writing, right? So sometimes those things can be misleading. But remember, that's someone's opinion on how the philosophy landed for them, basically. I mean, it's better than that. They usually try pretty hard, you know. But all I'm saying is, sometimes even just from the UK to here, the way we use certain words might not sound so positive. And I've noticed that when I was reading through when I was reading through to make notes for this. So we're talking about the kleshas today, right? And what those basically are are what I was always taught was they're called five obstacles, right? So obstacles you would think something that prevents you from achieving something or getting somewhere or, you know, in this case, if we're speaking about the Yoga Sutras, we're talking about Samadhi, which was is that ultimate goal, although I really don't like the word goal when it comes to this kind of stuff, but that's the best word I have right now. So in one book, you'll see the word obstacles as a definition for the word klesha. But then I noticed that in a different book, they called it afflictions. And you know, to me, those things don't necessarily register energetically as the same thing. Affliction and obstacle. But considering we're speaking about a number of different things, which could be physical, it could be mental, emotional, it kind of begins to make more sense to me that those two words are the ones that are used because they're not completely opposite. They're somewhat related. And I don't know how they relate in Sanskrit, which is why that's happening. You see what I'm saying? So just, you know, if you do plan on moving forward and learning more about the Yoga Sutras or any of the other wonderful texts, just know that you want to choose wisely whose translations you're reading or at least understand more about where they're coming from because you do want one from the culture right but you also want one that you're going to be able to understand so there's that so when it comes to the kleshas 
we're going to call them obstacles, they are intertwined with something else, something called vrittis. And vrittis, most people think of the mind, but what it is is the energy or the fluctuations, the moving thoughts, and all of that. So the kleshas, which would be obstacles, intertwine with vrittis, the fluctuations of the mind. And when we're working with yoga, we are presented with what the obstacles are, which I'm going to read you a little list soon. I don't mean to be demeaning, but there are five of them. It's not a very long list. And then in the coming episodes, we'll talk about the, I don't want to use the word cures, but the methods that we're given to work on those obstacles. One thing to keep in mind is that ultimately the way that this is looked at is purifying the body, but we're purifying the body, the mind, the way we look at the mind, the way we look at the body, the way we interact with ourselves, with the people around us, with what's going on in our life, whether or not we spend time in the present moment. So we're clearing a pathway to those things, regardless of the way that people say, I'm going to do my yoga for this or for that or this or that. You're clearing a pathway to joy, peace as a base level, right? So that's one of the other things that I think is getting a little bit messy right now in pop culture, I guess is the best way to put it, is this inner mixing with new age, this new age spirituality stuff. Now, I'm not saying it's all bad, but I'm saying that it has been twisted and turned and some people don't understand that they're actually working with spirituality and it's not actually new age. And then there's all this other stuff that is new age that needs to just kind of take a seat because it's muddying the waters and it's getting in the way. This is also kind of happening in the way that yoga is taught and understood. Oh, right. So in the new age kind of spirituality stuff, there's an over accentuation on things that we don't actually have access to. And if you work on your body and the way that you're interacting, the interconnectivity with you and your community, with you and your body and all of that, like I was just talking about, you're more likely to attain that spiritual space that you're looking for. Just, just a side note there, because ultimately that's what we're doing with yoga in general depend it and it doesn't depend on any kind of yoga if you're working with yoga that is kind of the assumed philosophy that's happening right so that's another thing to keep in mind is that all the philosophies have a, an assumed reality that's what i meant to say and Often what's happening with the new age stuff is it's crossing hairs with old philosophy and people are confusing things. So you're missing important information along the way. Right. Okay. So where are we? We're clearing the body and the mind. 
via yoga. So what is it that we're clearing? Okay, we're working on what would be natural obstacles in our body or mind. So kleshas and vrittis. And I'm going to, when I start to read them out, you'll think, oh, right, this makes a lot of sense. It, it, it's like the first time I heard it, I went, oh, <laughs> this is stuff that everybody should be taught. That's what I thought. Okay, so the list of the kleshas. The first one on the top of the list, avidya. Definition is ignorance. So vidya is a type of knowledge and avidya is ignorance. But then there's this other thing, unreal cognition or... So you might think delusional, you might think narcissistic, you might think spiritual psychosis. A lot of different things fall into that category of the unreal thought processes, okay? So there's ignorance, the obvious stuff, and the not-so-obvious ignorance, which they're putting the word unreal attached to it. So there's that. The next one on the list is asmita basically egoism now here's the thing egoism our ego is an important part of our system this is another one of those things the new age starts to co-opt is they killing the ego the ego death all of that stuff that is not happening you might be stripping parts of yourself and it might feel like a deep sense of loss you might even have something called a little ego death. I mean, I don't even know what other words to give it. But in reality, your ego is fine. You're training it. What's dying off is the stuff that you don't need anymore. That's not helping you. But you're extremely accustomed to it. So it feels like crap when it comes off. It feels like you're missing something, that you've lost something. There's a lot of grief involved, which is why that word of death gets tacked on there. But egoism is not killing the ego. It's not removing the ego. It's not being driven by it. You know, egoist. Oh, great. Number three, raga. Okay, not the kind of music. This defines as excessive attachment. So excessive attachment to things that you like, things that draw a certain kind of pleasure. But that can also apply to things that are really bad for you, right? So you know, there's stuff that you get accustomed to, that you're used to, that you require, that you become very attached to, that you think you need in your life, that doesn't necessarily harm you, but you have this attachment to work on. And then there's the stuff where you kind of get stuck in this 
I don't want to use the word addiction, but this pattern that gets so driven by repetitiveness. I said that weird, but that's okay. That it becomes this raga, this ick, such extreme excess that you're, you're driven by it in a way. The fourth one is dvesha. Now, this one is interesting because it's associated with hatred and, and extreme dislike. And then, you know, you would think of aversion. And all of these are based on excessiveness, right? So excessive aversion, hatred. These are extreme, right? But what if you have an excessive aversion to something that would be really, really good for you and you just avoid it and avoid it and avoid it and start to not take care of yourself. I believe that that falls under this, this category, dvesha. Someone else might have more knowledge for me. If you do, the email is hungryforapplespodcast at gmail.com. I'm always open to more input and topics that you might want to hear from me but that's besides the point so it's associated with hatred but sometimes okay so oh this makes sense so look if you're not taking care of yourself if you become excessive in aversion of taking care of yourself is that not a hatred for the self aha uh -huh. okay so that makes a lot of sense and st I still want the input if it's out there, but, you know, I had to do that out loud. Okay, so the fifth one. There's only five of them, right? Abhinavesha. Abhinavesha. This one is fear of death. Now, I, there's really no other way to put that. Some people have an extreme of fear of death. Some people like to press, you know, like poke the bear. I feel like poking the bear is the same thing. If you have this, this extreme need to, to do that, to, to kind of walk the edge, I feel like that's actually a strange fear of death. You're like, you know, testing the waters of what might happen. I believe that would also fall under this line, but outside of that, I'm not sure what else could that, could that really could, you know, extend to. I just had to give that a thought. Thank you for waiting. So the, the thing to understand is that the way these things are put out is they're given in an order, right? This one, it sounds like a list of things that you have to look at separately, but the top one, number one, avidya, everything kind of falls underneath that as types of that. That has to do with identity and the way that we attach ourselves to our beliefs, um, you know, your belief being the one that you think is the one right for everybody else, that kind of stuff, or defending the way you're seen or heard or your astrological sign and all that stuff. So that creates a lot of vrittis, which 
you know, interact with these kleshas and create all of these different stories that we link together. There's a whole psychological situation. That's why before I was saying it's not just the body, it's the mind, but it's also the intellect. And all of these things are wrapped into one when you're working with yoga. And oftentimes, or actually in my personal experience, it's not oftentimes, in my personal experience, by paying attention to the body, even though I do have knowledge of these other things that I need to work on, working on the body and working with my system automatically moved out of my way some of these obstacles. And granted, some of them happened pretty quickly. Some of them really took a very long time. But time is not really the way that this works, yeah? Um, diligence is the part that's important. Uh, devotion is the part that's important. And um, yeah, so I can say from personal experience that working on the body, I did work through a lot of vrittis, kleshas, but obviously not everything. You have to, there's things that go in and out that you have to really keep an eye on, I guess, over time is a good, good way to put it. In a lot of the books, it says to rid oneself of the glaciers, to rid oneself. And I mean, that makes sense. But one thing to keep in mind if you're working with, you're working with this is that none of this is going to happen at the drop of a hat. It's not just because you decide, then it, it works, right? You're going to have to put in some time and some effort. The more consistent you are, the better it is. So if you don't separate your practice completely, you know, if you're working on asana, breathing, meditation, but you you notice your thinking mind it, during your day and you really you know, I'm not saying watch your thoughts and, and all of that. I'm not I'm not saying that, but just pay attention. How are you interacting with people? What's happening? Are you giving yourself grief about something that you really have no control over? Because that seems to be pretty common, right? All of that will help you put these vrittis in order, the fluctuations of mind, and that will help you move through the obstacles that the kleshas create for you. Are they creating them for you? No, they probably don't have a mind of their own, but they are created by your system. So there's that. I hope you've enjoyed this short little journey around the Kleshas. And I would love to hear your input if you have it. Hunger for Apples podcast at gmail.com. If you are not subscribed to the podcast, please do subscribe to it. It really helps getting this out there. And we appreciate it very much. Have a wonderful week. Stay dry out there. Bye now. Alrighty, that's the end of our show. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe everywhere you find podcasts and visit Farron on her website, farron.me. You can also find us on social media, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. 
Mystic Farron. So it's Mystic underscore Farron and Hungry for Apples podcast. Again, thank you so much for listening. Bye now. Bye.